do your due diligence quickly, but really fine tune it after you put the property under contract. Best ever listeners, wouldn't it be nice to have a $2 million pre-approval line of credit? Ah, just think about that. Isn't that nice? Wouldn't that be nice? How would that help you get more deals done? Because when you submit a pre-approval line of credit with your offer on a fix and flip house, do you think it's going to stand out more? I think so. And our friends at Fun That Flip, you know Fun That Flip, Matt Rodak, he's been on the show before many times. He's a friend of mine. He's also the owner of Fun That Flip and they're a sponsor of today's episode. What they're doing is they're giving a $2 million pre-approval line of credit up to $2 million pre-approval line of credit for qualified buyers. And my gosh, in this competitive buying market, sellers prefer to sell to buyers who have a high likelihood of closing, right? Makes sense. Well, use this pre-approval line of credit from Fund That Flip and that will signal to the seller that you're the real deal and you'll be able to close quickly. It's free. All you got to do is go to fundthatflip.com. You've got to qualify that you have prior experience and there's a process, but it's free and you need to go to fundthatflip.com to get the pre-approval line of credit because this is a way that's going to help your short-term rehab loan happen because you're going to get the deal for the property where you need the short-term rehab loan. Go to fundthatflip.com and get that pre-approval line of credit for up to $2 million. Best ever listeners, welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is a show where we cut out the fluffy stuff and we only talk about the best advice that moves your business forward. With us today, we have a best ever guest who is a private money lender. And then once they have the private money loans, then they sell those or they bring investors in to invest in those loans. And we're going to talk all about that business model. How are you doing, Lee Arnold? I am doing fantastic. Thanks for having me. Well, nice to have you on the show. And a little bit about Lee, and then he'll get into it. He is the CEO at Secured Investment Corp and manager of the Secured Investment High Yield Fund. It is one of the fastest growing companies in private money marketplaces in the U.S., and he connects investors to lenders all over the U.S. and Canada. He's based in, help me with his pronunciation, Coeur d'Alene. What is that? Uh, Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. Coeur d'Alene. Yeah, you're yep. like, it, it's much simpler than you're trying to make it, Joe. Come on. <laughs> Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. It looks fancy the way it's spelled. Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. And you can say hi to him and his team at securedinvestmentcorp.com. With that being said, Lee, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on? Thanks, Joe. Uh, and hello, everybody. Thanks for being here with us. As Joe mentioned, my name is Lee Arnold, and I have been a real estate investor since 1996, so 20 years now. And in 2000, I started going around the country and teaching people how to invest in real estate. And our audiences were kind of a mixed group. On the one hand, I had people saying, you know, Lee, I'm finding all these deals and I don't know where to get the money to finance them or buy them or fix them. And on the other hand, I had people coming to me and saying, you know, Lee, I've got all this money, but real estate investing is really a lot of work. So is there anything I could do that's a little bit more passive investment? So we created a company where we underwrite and originate loans for real estate investors so that they can get the funds they need to buy, fix and sell real estate for a profit 
or if they want to buy and hold real estate for long-term cash flow in a rental capacity, we can also provide longer-term financing for them. We produce and provide yield for the people that are buying ultimately this paper through us. So we've created this, for lack of a better term, a peer group platform through which people need money can get access to it and people who have money and need yield can deploy capital. So it's really turned into this really exciting and fun concept where we are lending millions and millions of dollars each and every week. So you're lending money and investors are coming to you to say, hey, I've got this project. I need funded. You then fund it. Then you package that investment up to a private lender who wants to invest in that. Is that correct? That is correct. Yep. So if we write a note at, say, 12% interest for a 12-month term to a borrower, we will package that loan up and then we will sell it to a one-off investor who will buy the entire note. We do not sell partials and we don't crowdfund. So this is one investor to one note. And then we will offer that investor, say, 8 or 9% interest. And then we will maintain the servicing internally. So for that passive investor, it turns out to be a very nice situation for them because we assist them in in the deployment of the capital. If they're running it through a self-directed IRA, we can help them with their direction of investment forms and all of those things. We then set up the servicing. We send mail to the borrower. We collect the check, and then we send the lender's portion directly to them every month. So it's a very nice and passive hands-off approach to people who want to get capital deployed and start earning yield. I'm sure I'm going to miss something, but the three ways I see that you're making money, one is the origination fee and then the interest rate on that money mm-hmm. that's borrowed. So those that's one and two. And then three is the spread on the back end between the interest rate and whatever you offer it up to a private investor. Is there any other major way that you're making money? Yeah, there's a fourth income stream. It's minor compared to the other three, but we also do charge monthly for the servicing. But we're talking 10 or $15 a month to the borrower as well as to the end buyer of the note. So those are the four streams, yes. Okay. Out of those four streams, what's the biggest generator, dollars in pocket? Uh, it's really more on the front end loan origination side when we are underwriting the loan. And the reason for that is, You know, we get a lot of applications. We'll see anywhere from 50 to 200 loan applications a day. And as much as we would like for every one of those to be fundable, unfortunately, we do get the occasional investor who comes to us wanting to buy an investment property for 100 cents on the dollar. And for us, we don't lend 100 cents on the dollar on investment property, nor do we encourage people pay. 100 cents on the dollar for investment property. So in those scenarios, we'll go back to the borrower and say, we're really struggling to see how you're going to make any money on this deal. Because for us, Joe, I'm less interested in a borrower's first loan, and I'm more interested in a borrower's second, third, fourth, and fifth loan, because it tells us that not only are they having a great experience in doing business with us, but they're also profitable and making money on these flips for themselves. We have a very holistic approach to this, and our belief is that everybody involved in this transaction has to win. So we want to make sure that these borrowers that we're lending money to are ultimately making a profit themselves so that they will come back again and again and again. And ultimately, our goal is what we call our circle of wealth. We want to take that borrower from being a borrower to possibly paying cash to buy their own real estate and eventually end up becoming a lender. And this is what we call the circle of wealth. 
what are the terms that you offer on the front end with the investors who are needing funds for their properties? So we've got a couple of different loan products. We can do as-is acquisition financing, where we will lend up to 65 to 75% of the purchase price. And we also do ARV lending, which a lot of lenders don't do. But because we are a nationwide company, we lend in all 50 states. We can provide not only acquisition funding to the investor, but also rehab funding at up to 65% of the after-repaired value. So if an investor is buying it for $100,000 and they want an as-is acquisition loan, we could lend about sixty-five grand on that deal. However, if we can get an after-repaired value of $200,000, conceivably we could lend them $130,000, give them the $100,000 that they need for acquisition, and they'd still have the $30,000 left to go in and do all the renovation and repair. Got it. What are the fees for that that you collect on those? Right now we're running a promotion just because we are in the money space and we, you know, we want to be realistic with what's going on in the market. Now there is a lot of people entering the private money sector and we don't want to lose out on price. So right now, Joe, we are running a beat any competitors price program. So if there's listeners right now that have a loan that they've submitted through another private money lender and they've got a term sheet or an LOI, a letter of intent for the pricing, we will either match it or beat it because we, we want to earn the customer's business. The industry standard on an acquisition loan, if the borrower has down payment money, if they've got relatively good credit, we're seeing rates in terms as low as two points and 12% interest. In more competitive states like California and Texas, we're seeing rates as low as one point and seven and a half percent interest. But to get those low rates, you're really looking at more of a full doc loan where they're going to want to pull credit. And they're going to want to see a fully underwritten package. If the borrower is in a situation where they either have maxed out their credit, they went through 2008, and it was a pretty painful experience and haven't recovered yet from that from a credit standpoint, they can do what's called an asset-based loan, where it's the asset that qualifies for financing, not the individual. Of course, that's a higher risk to the end investor. So the term points and rates are going to be higher on that. And you're looking anywhere from three and 13, as high as five and 15. So we are truly a risk reward lender. So it's really up to the borrower to tell us where do you need to be and what data are you willing to give us to get yourself there? So if they're willing to let us pull credit and do a full doc loan, we can get very, very, very good pricing. What's something that you've changed with your business model since you started the company? We really got into the lending side. We've predominantly been a real estate investment firm up until about 2009 when literally the market dropped out for most people and there just was no private money and the money that was out there was scared money. So we started lending on a, on a very conservative, small basis to a small handful of investors that we had and realized that there was nobody out there that was doing this. So we really became the only lender, not the fastest growing lender, literally the only lender that was out there doing this. But now as we've come into 2016 and going to 2017, we're seeing a lot more competition. So one of the major changes we've made is it was 5 and 15. We didn't care where it was, who you were, how much you were putting down. It was 5 and 15 because supply and demand economics said there was a high demand and a low supply. So the price was the price. But now in this competitive environment, it's really the borrower who brings the value because there's so many lenders out there that are clamoring literally over top of each other to get this borrower's business. 
that we have gone to a very aggressive beat any competitor's price model just so we can get the customer and do business with that investor. Lee, what's your best real estate investing advice ever? Well, you know, the old adage of you make your money when you buy, you realize your investment when you sell still holds true. The best advice I can give is do your due diligence quickly, but really fine tune it after you put the property under contract. What we're seeing, Joe, in a lot of markets, because it really has heated up and a lot of markets are inventory levels are at 15 days or less. And we see investors that are kind of limping into the deal where they're coming in with their clipboard and their contractors and everybody else running pricing without having the property under contract. And while they are there on site doing all of this due diligence work, 19 other investors are writing cash offers. <laughs> so you've got to move quickly. You know, the old adage, you can't steal in slow motion. When you find a great deal, you got to move quick. And so it's no longer do your due diligence, then write the offer. It's write the offer subject to a contractor inspection, private money lender, financing, get it under contract, then do the due diligence. That's really the best advice I can offer. And it's interesting coming from a lender because you want all these loans to actually be healthy and not default. Have you done fix and flips yourself? Yes. In fact, I have a full-time construction crew and we will fix and flip 50 houses this year just in our own local market, let alone the thousand plus loans that we will write nationwide. And for me personally, I enjoy the investment side of the business, the fixing and the flipping, just because it keeps me grounded with what our clients are, are dealing with. What are they encountering in the marketplace from a cost of construction to a time of construction to what now requires a permit where last week a permit wasn't required? So we do it as much because it's a profit center for our business, but as much to keep us grounded with what our customers are experiencing so that we can make uh, quick adjustments, market-based adjustments, not guesstimates. You know, I look at some of these Wall Street firms that are sitting on the 80th floor. They don't have a clue what the rehabber investor is dealing with or what they're encountering at the ground level. And we are at the ground level and we are in there getting our hands dirty right alongside our borrowers because we're in the same business. And I think that makes us much more competitive and understanding to what our clients are dealing with and, and what ultimately they're looking to accomplish. So back to the original question, how would you recommend the investor analyze quickly, hey, this is something I should make an offer on. What's the back of the napkin? So there's really only two numbers that really matter in this business. The first one is what is it worth? So you need to understand how to look at your comparable sales in that market. Make sure that they are very close to the subject property that you're looking to acquire and then do a solid apples to apples comparison. If it's a 1,600 square foot house, compare it to other 1,600 square foot houses within a half mile radius that are four bedrooms, two baths, or three ones, and determine realistically what is it going to be worth? Because everything that we do is based on that after repaired value. So that's thing number one, and it's really the most important part. Thing number two is what can I get it for? So if it's worth $200,000 and it needs $50,000 in rehab, I need to buy it for seventy-five grand to cover all of my costs to still make a profit of $30,000. So what is it worth? What can I get it for without even looking at the price? You know, too many investors worry about what the seller is asking when that number really has no bearing on what you as an investor need to be concerned with. What is it worth and where do you need to buy it to be profitable? 
And if you can't get it for that number, then walk away. Yeah. The second part, where do you need to buy it to make it profitable? I'm glad you elaborated on that because how it was initially stated, what can I get it for? I was thinking, well, what about the rehab costs? But then you mentioned, what do you need to buy it for to make it profitable? Is there a team that you recommend bringing with you to do that analysis? Or is it something that can be a one-person show? Well, let me give you my quick calculation. It's very easy. Once you've determined what the after-repaired value is, I want you to take 70% of that number. So to put this into perspective, let's say that you know the after-repaired value is $100,000. So 70% of $100,000 is $70,000. And then you subtract your repair costs. My formula is this. If the house is in really, really rough shape, plan on $25 a square foot. So if that's a 1,000 square foot house, your repair costs are going to be twenty-five grand. So if we take 100000 at 70%, that puts us at seventy minus our repair cost of 25000 you have to buy it for 45000 bucks. And in that formula, we've already covered closing costs, capital costs, carrying costs, sales costs, so that you're going to make about a 15 to 18% profit on that transaction. Now, that's, that's not a, a guarantee. That's exactly how we should do it every time. Don't run any other numbers, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, certainly, you know, as Ronald Reagan said, trust but verify. So yeah, yeah. I have all the confidence in the world saying use that formula to write the offer. But once you've put it under contract, get your contractor out there to determine is $25 a square foot enough or is it too much? And as we start looking, you know, we had a lot of houses that were built in five, six, seven, and eight and not a lot of houses built in 9, 10, 11, and 12, simply because of what was going on in the market at that time. So there's a lot of inventory out there that's still in relatively new condition or newer condition where you're not dealing with major capital improvements like roofs and plumbing and electrical and furnaces and water heaters. And where you have a newer construction, here's my rule, Joe. If the house is built in, in 2010, for example, and we're in 2016, then your repair estimate is $6 a foot. If the house is built in 2005, then it's going to be $11 a foot. If the house is built in the year 2000, it's going to be $16 a foot. So when you go back just from the age of the property, you can figure it's going to be about a dollar a square foot per year to bring it back up to today's standards. Oh, interesting. I like that. That holds true with what you've seen, I mean, generally with the, the properties you're flipping? It holds true with about a 10 to 15% variance up or down. Sweet. You ready for the best ever lightning round? Yeah. All right. First, a quick word from our best ever partners. Bob Malecki and his team at Resolution Capital Management partner with individuals to invest in distressed residential mortgage notes. If you're interested in doing a joint venture with them, or basically you invest alongside with them and sharing a portion of the profits based on how well that individual project goes, then go to rcm.company forward slash JV. That's rcm.company forward slash JV. Best ever book you've read? Um, Predictably Irrational, Dan Early. What's a takeaway you got from it? Positioning, posturing, pricing, negotiation. It's the best book on sales and negotiation that has nothing whatsoever to do with sales and negotiation. Ah, predictably Irrational. Predictably By who? Irrational. Dan Airely. A-R-I-E-L-Y. I will check that out. And best ever listeners, I'll link that in the show notes page too. 
Best ever personal growth experience, and what did you learn from it? Boy, that is a lightning round. <laughs> it, best... it, it can be a little bit longer of a question. Yeah, I know. I realize that. <laughs> uh, best personal life experience? Personal growth. Best personal growth experience. Uh, probably the mastermind groups that I have been associated with in the past and continue to be, but masterminding, according to the Napoleon Hill concept, masterminds by far. And what's one specific thing you've learned from it? The power of association. When two minds come together, thereby creating a likened third mind, just the, the, the power of creativity that comes from somebody else that's in a similar industry that has insight that maybe you don't, that is willing to share and open to share in hopes and in expectation that you will give equally. It's just an incredibly powerful place to be. Best ever deal you've done? Um, I bought a subdivision of lots that had been zoned duplexes. There were 10 duplex lots. I went to the planning and zoning commission, realized they were increasing the density for the neighborhood, which mean it was going to be 20 single family lots instead of 10 duplex lots. I bought it for 400,000 and sold it for 800,000 and closed in less than three weeks. You have to choose one path because for whatever reason the world is telling you you have to. You can either lend money or do fix and flips. Which one do you choose? Lend. Why? I'm a deal junkie. I love the deal. And when I'm a lender, I get to participate in thousands of transactions across the country where when I am a fixer and flipper, I am limited just from reach and scope because of the commitment of time that flips require. So lending allows me to participate in a lot more deals and help a lot more clients and investors be successful than I could ever do as a fixer flipper. Best ever way you like to give back? Tithing to my church and various charities that we support here at my company. We support the Make-A-Wish Foundation because I think it's a great charity. I had a contractor whose son was ill uh, ended up passing of cancer, but not after the family got to go to Disney World for two weeks uh, and just had a great time. Uh, and I also donate to the Epilepsy Foundation because my youngest daughter had epilepsy early in her life. And um, uh, only through tests and specialized medicine were we able to get it corrected. And unfortunately, there's a lot of people with children in that capacity that can't afford that treatment. So we donate heavily to that uh, charity as well. It's great to hear about your daughter. Yes, thank you. She's been seizure-free now for five years, and we were able to do it through uh, adjustment in diet. Interesting. What was the diet? Well, after going through and having some tests done, we found out that she was allergic to gluten and to corn. Mm. So by putting her on a gluten-free diet, which meant the whole family was on a gluten-free diet, and eliminating corn, which is corn syrup, popcorn, which is very difficult to do when you have a four-year-old daughter. Yeah. Um, but we did it. We made a commitment as a family to do it and um, just making those changes and then some natural supplements that we got through our naturopath. Praise the Lord, we were able to get her uh, seizure free for the last five years now. That's great. What's the biggest mistake you've made in real estate? Um, in 2007, I embarked on the largest development uh, to date in my uh -oh. career time. <laughs> So I was developing three 15,000 square foot luxury ski in, ski out properties on the backside of Park City called Deer Valley there in Utah. 
and we were into construction nine million dollars per house with a post-construction value of 21 million dollars i had just paid twenty thousand dollars for a full page ad in ski magazine which ran july of 2008 and then we know lehman went down in august of eight and in december i submitted a construction draw where i'd gotten the loan for the development to the bank of denver and the FDIC answered the phone and said, the Bank of Denver is no longer in business and we are not honoring any additional construction loans. So two and a half years later, we were able to negotiate through and we ended up having to short sell those properties. And for what was a seven and a half million dollar construction build, we short sell them for 1.8. What happened to the project? We ended up having to short sell them. And in, in cooperation with the FDIC, we had to get ourselves out happy to say we did it through communication with our contractors and our developers. Nobody had to file bankruptcy and nobody got sued. So it was a painful experience, but I can tell you I learned a tremendous amount from it and I wouldn't change it for the world. From 2007 to when did it finally just not have a mental and emotional space in your body? It was probably 2011 that we finally were able to get past it because it took us that long just to deal with all of the creditors, all of the subcontractors and the suppliers and the FDIC. And it went from being almost a daily occurrence to a weekly occurrence to a monthly occurrence. And by 2011, we had finalized everything and we were past it. So then that allowed me the mental capacity now to move to the next thing. What would you say to someone who is dealing with something like that, perhaps not on that scale, maybe it's a single family house or whatever, but in their world right now, it is that big of a deal. What would you say to them on how to cope? First, I would say pray. And second, communicate. One of my favorite statements, a, a customer will put up with a lot except for being ignored. And typically what happens when a borrower or a homeowner finds themselves kind of in the throes of financial disaster, they tend to bury their head in the sand, they stop answering the phone, they stop talking to people, they stop answering the door, and there's no communication. And, and as a lender, I can tell you there's nothing more frustrating to me than a client who won't communicate. We've done hundreds of millions of dollars in loans, and of course we have defaults and foreclosures just like the other lender does. But the clients who will answer the phone and communicate with us and talk strategy, we don't want to take the property back any more than we want to foreclose on the borrower. And I believe that most banks across the nation feel the same way. But when a borrower fails to communicate, they give us no other options when really foreclosure is the last thing we want to do. So if they would simply answer the phone and, and give us a plan and then stick to it, we would honor it. Thank you for sharing that story. That's um, lifelong lessons that you just talked through. What's the best place the best ever listeners can reach you? Um, probably by email. Uh, you can email me at lee at kogocapital.com. Or if you have a loan, if you've got a piece of property that you're looking for financing on, if you uh, never have invested and you'd like to but didn't know where to get the money, we would love to become your lender of choice. And you can learn more about us at kogocapital.com, and that's C-O-G-O, capital.com. Well, Lee, thank you again for being on the show and talking to us about your different life experiences and talking about not only good stuff, 
where you're discussing the you know the fix and flips that you're doing say 50 a year or 50 a month we will do 50 this year this year okay 50 in in the year and then also on the lending side and from a macro level your business model where you fund loans for fix and flippers and I'm grossly simplifying. I know I'm, I apologize in <laughs> advance, but where you no worries. Yeah, yeah. Where you fund the loans for fix and flippers, then you make the money on the origination fee. You make the money on the interest from that, and then on the back end, you take those loans and you you uh, have private investors invest in those, and you make a spread on that difference, so 12% where you got it, and then you give it to them for 10% or whatever it is, plus a, a small monthly servicing fee on both those sides. And then you know, talking about a very simple and down-to-earth way of looking at the numbers for fix and flippers, 70% of the after-repair value, then you subtract the repair costs, and if the house is in really bad shape, $25 a square foot. I love the tip on you can subtract $1 per square foot for every year of age that the property has, and that will, in theory, bring it up to what it should look like at that point in time. And then your story about Park City, Utah, home of Sundance Film Festival. I've been there once. It's a very nice, affluent area. I'm sure the $21 million properties, you'd have no problem selling them for that amount right now or more. Um, Uh, They were beautiful, Joe. They were beautiful. Yeah, and just sharing the story of what, boy, what it's like. I mean, that's, that's a long time, 2007 to 2011 to have that in just in your life very prominently at the beginning in the middle and then perhaps taper off at the end but still it's there it's still there and to have that and to talk about that and share that with the listeners because deals don't always go the right way there are deals that go bad and i love the advice you have for anyone if that's happening and that is keep Mm -hmm. communicating because nothing can happen if you're not communicating because by default you're not saying anything not writing anything so nothing will change except perhaps more bad stuff as a downward spiral so a really good advice i really appreciate you being on the show hope you have a best ever day and we'll talk to you soon all right thank you joe bob malecki and his team at resolution capital management partner with individuals to invest in distressed residential mortgage notes If you're interested in doing a joint venture with them, where basically you invest alongside with them and sharing a portion of the profits based on how well that individual project goes, then go to rcm.company forward slash JV. That's rcm.company forward slash JV.